This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it it is the best way to get to really know the guest. This episode's guest is Ed Cunningham. He's an American sports announcer, film producer, and professional American football player. Following his career in the NFL, Ed worked as a commentator for different media outlets, most recently ESPN. In 2017, he resigned, citing his personal concerns with safety risks posed by the sport of football. During his professional years, he played center for five seasons for the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. Prior to his professional football career, Ed played center for the Washington Huskies, helping them win a national championship in 1991. In 1997, Ed became a regional college football analyst for CBS Sports and then moved over to ABC Sports in August of 2000. In 2006, with the merger of ESPN and ABC Sports, Cunningham became an appearing as analyst on ESPN College Football as well. He resigned from ESPN prior to the 2017 college season, citing disenchantment with football growing or due to growing evidence of the risk of CTE that the sport poses for its players. He then became an award-winning producer of the documentary The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters and Undefeated, which won the Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. So, Ed, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Ken. Appreciate you making the time. No, this is, this is amazing. And, Ed, tell us a little bit about who Ed is from your own words. For... <laughs> Well, you just did it all. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Father of two, how about father of two young boys uh, who's been cooped up for three months or four months or whatever this is. That should be the championship uh, I, right there. Yeah. <laughs> being sane and upright and enjoying being a dad and a businessman at this point in my life, uh, through all of this, especially with the social unrest going on, I live in Long Beach, uh, California, and, it, you know, it's it, some of the looting got close to our house. And so you had these conversations with six and eight year olds. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm, you just read the resume, but the accomplishment for me is all of that came with me growing up a little bit, becoming more mature, um, getting some of my childlike wonder back while being responsible <laughs> with who I am and what I do and what I've chosen to do. So for me, that's the, you know, those were all accomplishments. Real achievement is um, I'm a really happy dad and businessman and live in a great place that is going through some stuff right now, like a lot of places. Uh, but I think for the most part, good people are shining through. So it's uh, it's a lot of stuff. But yeah, it's um, I, I wear a few hats. So I, I gave up the broadcasting hat. I was always producing alongside that in 2016. And so now it's about broadening my business. I peddle in nonfiction storytelling. It's what I've done since the early 90s. I, I started doing radio, hosted my own show in Phoenix for a while, got onto some TV stuff. Um, and all along, sports was, I knew it had an expiration date. I knew I wasn't going to be a professional or any type of, you know, I wasn't going to 
become a triathlete. I, like at 27, 28, I knew I wasn't going to want to do it much longer. So I always had this expiration date. And then along the way, I was just in the right place, chose the right places where a few coaches that I had along the way, mostly and it's someone who uh, any sort of college football level dedicated fan would know. I played for Don James. You mentioned that um, national championship season. So Don James uh, at Washington was he's one of the best managers and CEOs imaginable. He's one of the best people I've ever worked with. You know, it is a job. Come on, college sports is a job. I was there. Oh all yeah, the time. yep. <laughs> Believe me, I did the college sports thing too. It's you know, <laughs> yeah. we ski race. We had to drive yeah, to our spots. Oh yeah, it's right. a job. Yeah. But Coach James, Coach James, when you got to Washington, people talk about a system or a program, which this applies to companies too. It's like, what's your culture? What are you there for? So obviously, we were held to a high standard, and we. You know, we're cutting edge in on the field in our training. We ate well, we rested well, like the, everything was just smartly done. But the other side was we were there to get an education. And Don knew he had the golden key. Anyone he called would come address his team, right? He was big deal in town. And so we got to meet all of the top business people and we were pushed to excel in the classroom and helped. We were given, we were one of the first departments that had a dedicated academic services department. Um, and so I was at a place that was just awesome in Seattle during the grunge era. Uh, so music. Full Nirvana. We're, Nirvana. Yeah, Nirvana and uh, grunge like rock. Five bucks to see Pearl Jam play. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it was a cool time. And I was there at a great place under a great manager and, and really, and just opened up his playbook to use the vernacular uh, and a lot of us, I mean, I think the value Don James and what he did added to the sort of social and cultural and economic um, map of the Northwest is huge because athletes are go-getters, man. They're, they'll go make stuff happen. You know, there, there's this dumb jock. Jocks who aren't dumb also laugh at the dumb jocks, <laughs> right? Right. But you have them in every walk of life because 70, 80% of us, you know, we we like to get it done. We're imaginative. We work together well with teams. Um, so there's a lot there. So I, I think that a lot of my where I am now started really coming together under Coach James and being at the University of Washington during that time. And what do you, you know, and I loved what you said talking about and t- taking a little step back here, but being a college athlete is a job, right? It's sort of a job you don't get paid yeah. for, but in order to to excel, well, you have now. to look at it that. as a role. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Say that no, more. go for it. No, I said in order to excel, you have to look at it as, you know, this is your career. This is what you're doing. Oh, sure. Talk to us a bit about, you know, what you taught from that or learned from that. Excuse me. Well, I think so as, as far as having things on your plate, it's different now with kids and running my own business. Cause that, that's just, you know, there's just always a lot of balls in the air, but, as a young adult, you know, I hadn't, I'd been living under the, you know, I mean, I helped, um, so there, at, I think what you have to learn how football or sports and academic aside, what about road trips? What about parties? What about, you know, 
like that's sort of college too. And I wanted to have it all. I didn't want to miss out on anything. And so I sort of went all in where I just got really good at scheduling. I got really good at time management. You know, I got really good at efficiency. Um, I mean, I could study for a test in 15 minutes, you know? <laughs> right. Oh yeah. I'm right there with you. It's the you know same. I mean? it's yeah. Like, belaboring. I just got to work. Right. And, and I think what it did for me is it stretched me in so many different ways. Physically, obviously with the sport, there's a lot of mental and teamwork and politics involved in that. And then also on campus, we had a very rigorous, but most of the professors I had didn't care that I played football. Like, well, what do you know about economics? You know, so there wasn't a free path. You, you know, you could find professors who would do that, but that wasn't the, the track I was on. I wanted to be challenged. And so I got it all. I got it all. And I think what it did for me was it was professional sports, but I was also able to be a college student and a, and a good, good college student and a great college experience. You know, I right. rafted in the Oregon central, you know, desert every summer. We'd go down to the Deschutes and, you know, just like these awesome, amazing adventures that you, in your young adult life you want. And I think that's what some of, sometimes you lose out on, but I was able to, do it all and so that's what i that's what i realized is you you can manage a lot of stuff if you're thoughtful in how you set it up and creative in how you execute you know that when people say oh i'm grinding i got so so much stuff to do it's like ah, that grinding will wear you out you know and i heard one thing about don't say i have some work to do say i get to go do some work you know it just changed that perception and i just have never really looked at what i do as work Right. No. And, and, that, and that's what it is, right? Is the fact, like you said there, you get to do things versus you have to go do yeah. things. All of a sudden it's a different yeah, and I know that's, mindset. Yeah. You know, I say that as a film producer and former broadcaster, a pretty, you know, lofty position to say that, but you know, a lot of that is, well, that's where I took my career. That's what I was interested in. That's what I was curious about. That's what I wanted to do. The, you know, dirt and gritty part of preparing for a broadcast or reviewing the final cut of a documentary you've seen 75 times. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, uh, I can't get into You know, like there, there are sort of laborious parts of what I do, but um, you know, I, I was, I put myself really that college choice and that town and that place and that environment, uh, I think planted a lot of seeds. No. And, and that's it. So what, so then you went to the NFL you had a good career in the NFL, it seems like. And uh, you know, uh, <laughs> hey, any career in the NFL is a good one, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. At, at, at some point, being I was four in five years. The teams I played on were four and twelve, seven and nine, eight and eight, seven and nine, or no, four and twelve, seven and nine. One season, we had a sniff of the playoffs. And when you're a when you're a frontline worker, when you're you know running the sawmill, which is what offensive line play is, it's just about the wins, you know. And if, if that that was hard. Going from what I had at college with Don James and that system into, well, I played for multiple coaches and people were always getting fired. You know, we had a different quarterback every week because they bring in a guy to drop him out. You're just like, whoa. So my NFL experience was pretty. Uh, it was not a good experience just overall, just being frank. Right. You know, Interesting. it just is poor. And, and good, some really good. 
people some really good contacts, but you know, I was playing for other things other than enjoyment for a lot mm -hmm. of years. And that got, that, that got hard. Right. No. And I'm here in new England. So we always think NFL, everyone just wins. So it's not hard. Right. But everyone else, whatever, when someone's winning, someone else is losing. So that's what we're used to here. Yeah. yeah. But so talk, talk to us about, you know, the transition, right? You became a broadcaster, but mm -hmm. running into issues with the whole CTE thing. Talk to us about, about your passion there and, and, and the whole sport. You know, that's becoming issues not just in football, but across all sports. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because now with kids and two very active young boys who want to do some sports and I'm not going to mention any sports, but yeah. I now, and I wouldn't have done this, I don't know, four years ago if they were just getting into youth sports, but I now go to the data. Okay. They're going to play the sport. What does the American pediatrician association say? Cause they're the ones with the heart they're seeing, they're getting them in there. In, he was the one as I paid my because I chose to put it on a platform quietly, right? That was the choice I made. Forget concussions, right? Broken legs are a big deal, especially when the kids grow up, right? And so it is, you have to sort of start with, I'm not going to bubble wrap them because they'll go nuts. They do want physical contact and activity. Like I can see that, but what can we as a family, what can I do as a dad to say, what should or shouldn't we do and make choices? So we say no to some things that they, you know, get a flyer for and want to do. And four years ago, I may have said yes. So that's the biggest sort of learning curve for me is all sports have an inherent risk right especially repetitive injuries those types of things and just be mindful think it through and then weigh it against to for us is no full contact sports right, right. so ultimate fighting uh, football uh, hockey that's a full contact sport you get really jacked up in hockey right and so that's what we've made as a family and that's what we've chosen and we we're very clear with our sons with with that um and then we roll with it no so and for I, me, go for it keep going know, for me the, for me you know i played a long time and i saw guys really get hurt a lot and i got hurt a few times i just and and the real toll was when people that i played with and a few people that i really like and respected started committing suicide I sort of knew it before all then I thought about it, but when that started happening, it was, it just, it took another couple of years for me to realize and, and anybody who's been on a high level high school varsity football field or college field or NFL field right next to people when they run into each other with all that armor on, you innately know <laughs> right. that human bodies aren't, that's not how they're engineered. Right. We, we actually try to avoid that type of contact for survival. So that was for me, rubber hit the road was, and specifically a guy named Dave Dorson. Dave uh, was a, one of the all time greats with the bears. 
then he played with us out in Arizona um, for a season or two. And we're flying back from a, um, an away game, and I was sharing the row with him. And he's studying the McDonald's University handbook because he's going to take the test to be a franchisee. He's in like his 10th or 11th year. So I just sat and chatted to him for hours. And he went on to have a really successful food business uh, before he committed suicide. I just, that's, that's tough, man. He was a really good dude. He brought a lot to the community. He was a good father. And uh, so when that stuff happens, I just, I couldn't. And my job, ESPN was fantastic. They wanted us to be journalistically on point with all of that stuff. Study it, know it, talk about it. Meaning CTE and, and all the targeting penalties. So they, you know, they really wanted us to be, especially as ex-players, tell people how we felt. And I, I, I respected that. However, when you're calling games, you do sort of have to get the audience into the next thing, right? You have to hold their, it's, you sort of got to bring some entertainment value to it. And that was where it just started to feel, well, I felt totally duplicitous. I mean, I, I, I knew how I felt and I was still doing it um, those last couple of years. And what about the awareness, right, for CTE? It seems to be much more than it was, like you said, even yeah. four years ago, right? I know, you know, there's a lot of sports out there where it's an issue and concussions, but, you know, everything else, too, that's tied into it. But where do you see that going in the NFL? Um, it's so tricky because, well, I, so I delineate between college and below in the NFL, and for a couple of reasons, the NFL is professionalized and there is enough knowledge now for most 22 and above year olds to have at least, a, they have a far better sense of what they're getting themselves into than I did because we, it wasn't even known. Oh, he's dinged up. Give him a couple of plays off. He'll go back in. Like that's, that was not, it got better as I was playing, right? They did look for concussions. You were sidelined out of practice. So there, you know, all that came online while I was playing but it was still a pretty old school mentality. Um, but I think here's where <laughs> I know you, you, uh, you have a big LinkedIn audience. So people in the insurance business will appreciate uh, this. <laughs> Go look at the uh, reporting that outside the lines, which is a terrific in-house journalistic uh, endeavor at ESPN. Outside the lines, did a whole thing about the insurance that has to underwrite youth and college sports from soccer leagues to uh, Alabama football. They all have to have insurance policies for injuries, right? Cause they, they know the risk. So you can't just tell parents, well, it's all on you cause they know the risk. Right. And there are some egregious things, right? So they do all have to have insurance. Well, people are, people in that business are looking at football and saying, well, Dave Durson committed suicide 25 years after his playing career. And the science now says at least part of his injuries were sustained at, with the NFL and po probably at Notre Dame. At some point, who's going to pay for that? Right. The insurance company. Cause that's a long tail for an insurance company. Who's trying to run on a, a rollover that's a long tail of exposure. And so go look at their research and what they found because insurance companies are running from football and some other sports too. Remember, this is, this is not just football. Here's the other one that I found just amazing. 
Do you know we used to have competitive boxing in high school? Did we really? I don't remember that. They, they still have it at, at, uh, in some colleges and specifically at the academies. Do you know wow. why it got outlawed? Because they had punch drunk kids walking around high schools after two years in the boxing ring. Wow. I right. did not know that. In New England, we've got some yeah. pretty crazy stuff in New England. I know in New yeah. Hampshire, they, they yeah. still have ski jumping. <laughs> so. so I just don't know how in 15, 20 years, um, especially at the level. When I, so I got to the NFL and it was the modern athlete playing the modern game, meaning I played against guys that were as big and as fast as they are today. The, the transition sort of happened in the NFL in the eighties into the nineties where it was all 300 pounders, everyone ran four threes, like it became the modern player. So I played in that sort of modern physicality where it's completely changes on the college level. That team I played in Washington out of those 12 games, the guy I was playing one-on-one, -on -one, I could just obliterate 10 out of the 12 I played that year. They just weren't as good as I was. <laughs> right? There's a couple games where I got challenged or whatever. But when I got to the NFL, Every single player who put their hand down in front of me could blow me up and I had to work my tail off on every single play. So just that, that level. And now that's what's at college. I mean, I watch, I watch the game where, you know, there's just these gigantic athletic men at the line of scrimmage now all across college football. So the, 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 the force of the game, I think is, is far greater now. So I just 15, 20 years from now, I just don't see what, how you underpin that business model with insurance, frankly, because of risk. Right. And if you look at it that way, it's a completely different play on it, right? From the insurance piece. And, and here, and here's the, here's the, here's the big piece of the glacier. And I, you know what? I'm not going to use a climate change. That's, that's not, that's not <laughs> the right way to go here, but here's the, here's the big brick that I think shot out of the dam. It's already happening with basketball recruits going to play in another country for a year or two instead of going to uh, college the players the athletes the student athletes are about to get their name and likeness rights which is a big deal it's a really big deal because they, they those rights including mine including ed o'bannon who set who set the precedent with a lawsuit and it's been proven it's illegal this is not oh they're finally backing up the ncaa has to change their name and likeness rights clause or they're, they're going to be shut down by a court if they took an injunction out they could probably shut down some of these broadcasts because it's fully illegal to take name and likeness rights and sell them to a third party via a contract which is what they're doing so that part is coming undone for colleges there's got to be a way to start to say to the elite players you guys don't you women you men and you know probably six or seven sports you don't need these colleges you want us to teach you some class, whatever, let's make an academy and we'll have people come to our games. <laughs> I mean, it's going to get to a place where big time college ath athletics, I, it just, I don't see in the new economy how they continue A, to grow, but B, not to backtrack considerably um, because once those name and likeness rights are gone, you can take that value elsewhere. Right? Well, now and too. I think that's a, yeah. Yes. And during the yes. whole COVID thing, right? College, 
next year, maybe not next year, but a year or two out, college is going to be completely different than it is what we think right now. And no, like you were saying, the, the academy route, the online route, all you're really paying for is I've got a piece of paper from XYZ school. And no one really cares anymore either. That's the other piece. If, you know, and, and let me back that up by saying, I think college athletics should totally thrive and be a part of the college fabric. I think it's important. I think it is fun to have that stuff going on. But it doesn't have to be every school has a 70,000 foot, 70,000 person <laughs> football stadium that only 10 can fill and the rest of them, they're half full most seasons. Like, just everyone slow down. Pump the brakes a little bit. You know? Yep. Um, but yeah, I think it's a whole different. Um, well, you know, you athletes now know and operate more from the perspective of I'm not a businessman, I'm a business man, right? Yep. Once you have X million people following you on social media, you have a channel. You have a operational revenue generating channel. As long as you stay relevant, you can be in business. And once more and more people learn that, and you know, the, the standards being set, today's modern athletes, they're amazing with what they're doing, building companies. And I mean, they're, they're seizing their moment and that can trickle down because these, these young stars, these college kids, I mean, they're, they're transcendent. Can you imagine Cam Newton that season at Auburn? if he could have been out publicizing himself and making a little money and building a social audience off of that season, I mean, that's a couple hundred million dollar business he would have coming out of that <laughs> national championship year. Right. Mm -hmm. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And I, I hope that the right assets and the right agents and the right people start supporting that because these kids could gain a lot of value and a lot of freedom. Uh, and, and in a really nice way, given where we are socially, Give them a voice. Talking to 3 million people is a big platform. Oh, yeah. No, and they have, you have voices now, and all these kids can have amazing voices that they'd never had. And also, too, I've talked to a lot of people that are in our age as well that say they want to make a career change or try something different. You have an opportunity to create you know, the Ken Lubin channel or the whatever channel, the Ed Cunningham channel that you never had before. And there's opportunity out there that's huge, which is just unbelievable because everyone's looking for some piece of knowledge that you have, right? And just capitalize on that one little piece of knowledge that you're an expert in. And the next thing you know, you could be running your own business. Like you said, I'm a business man, right? You know, or business woman. It's, you know, it's Ken Lubin Inc., it's Ed Cunningham, you know, S-Corp, it's, it's whatever it is. And those are huge opportunities. And I think the college kids right now, or Olympic athletes, I do some career advising with Olympic athletes, is you need to start believing that, that that's who you are. And you need to start going out there and not being afraid to talk about your accomplishments and, and what you've done. And capitalize on it in, in, in the... Exactly. 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 Say, but that move by the member institutions to act. Right. 
All right, Ed, I'm back in. You there? Ken, are you there? I am. I ran into some issues. Uh, that was my fault. No, and I think we we're talking about the NCAA piece and, and everything Hello. that's going on there. Can you hear me? Hello, Ed. Hey, uh, Ken, hang on. I got to read. Hang on one. Hang on one second. Hang on. Okay. Maybe it's on your end. What's happening? Hi, right, Ken. Can you hear me? I can. We can. We we have the world. We can go back. Um. So I'll edit this whole thing. All but right. Anyways. Hey, I'm going. All right. All right. You should be able to hear me now. Much better. Ken. Yeah. Are you there? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry about that. No worries. I'll have to do some editing on this one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's my end too. I'm having internet issues too. So the world of, uh, you'd think we'd, today's world. Got it. But anyways, let's jump right back into it. So we're talking about the NCAA stuff yeah. and anyone here, so we have technical issues, but it will be edited out. So blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so how did you move from commentator into the fiction movie business? You know, Academy Award winning documentarian. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, you know, that was one of those. I was young enough and inexperienced enough to, to uh, throw a long pass. So we won the national championship. In January of, well, it's January of 92, right? So the end of the 91 season. And I'd already been doing some radio stuff and I was being interviewed a lot and I started to get to know all the production people. I just started having this interest. That's when big media, that's when ESPN started their college game day format. So they came out to Washington and it was a big deal on the media side. And I just was immediately sort of drawn to that. And we won the championship and I knew this company called prime sports Northwest. So I went, I, I got a business degree at Washington and we had this really great entrepreneurial professor my last uh, quarter. And we walked into class and he goes, okay, you want to be an entrepreneur? <laughs> start a business. So each of us had to pick a partner and start a business for the quarter. It's amazing. Such a great education. Right. And so I sort of that in me a little bit and I uh, approached Prime Sports Northwest, which is now Root Sports, because they own the rebroadcast of the Husky games. And I said, hey, can we do a video about our national championship season? I bet you could sell 100,000 VHS because they were going to be sold on VHS. That's how old this is. So we went and produced this little thing, and we sold, I don't know how many, we sold a lot. Um, but yeah, I actually produced the very first thing I did was before I became a professional athlete. That produced that video. And then when I started playing, I immediately started broadcasting again. I had got on radio again, then I got a TV gig uh, on air. Uh, and then it wasn't until 2004 when I was, help, I was actually doing voiceover work for a friend of mine. And he said, hey, I, I think I want to make a documentary. And I was like, well, I've, I've, I've produced before. I can help you out. And so we made a film. Um, that became New York Doll, which is about an old glam punk rock band called the New York Dolls. And we got it into Sundance and we sold it. And I made a partner that we made another film with Seth Gordon. And so off we went on this sort of adventure that was my hobby next to my broadcasting job. And then when we won the Academy Award for Undefeated, it flipped. <laughs> That's where you know, I sort of cosmically became a professional producer 
And the broadcaster was the thing that was just paying the bills to help me go make movies. So I've been at it a while, but I think 2011 or 12 was when I made it, you know, sort of my, my main focus of my profession. Wow. And talk to us a bit about the movie that you produced. Uh, which one in particular, not to be no, that guy, Academy but <laughs> no, 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 the Academy Award one. <laughs> yeah, that was one. Uh, so that was a film called Undefeated. And uh, it was um, about a high school football team in North Memphis, Tennessee. And it's very actually timely um, for uh, the, the protesting that's going on right now around the George Floyd death, because um, it's a film I didn't want to make, actually. I didn't, well, I didn't want, they were going to make it whether I joined or not. And I was sort of the football expert because they, they wanted to make sure they nailed the football side. And it was because I was already doing football for ESPN and ABC. And, you know, I'd done a punk rock doc. I'd done a video game doc at that point. I'd done a doc about teenage magicians at that point. So I was sort of like, I don't think I want to do this. But the filmmakers were so good and the story was so rich and the kids that are the backbone of undefeated, the high school football kids that grow, that you know, they just grow up in an awful neighborhood. It's just really hard to see uh, the inhumanity in, that, that many of these kids grow up in. And these filmmakers embedded, they lived with these kids and filmed every day for almost six months, almost seven months total. And so they had thousands of hours of footage. And so they were able to really give a, a, really direct perspective from the eyes of a few 17 year old kids and a couple of coaches uh, on what that life is like in North Memphis. And so that's why I think it won the Academy Award because it really does show what for a lot of um, all communities that are, are uh, economically struggling, what it's like for those kids. And I, I was just, when it came together, I was just blown away at how, just real and empathetic it made me for these kids in a whole new way and how they grew up. And so it was a film I didn't really want to do because it was about football and then it had nothing to do with football when these guys, Dan uh, Martin, or excuse me, Dan Lindsay, David Martin. Um, you know, it is a cool moment. <laughs> you win that Oscar. It's pretty cool. We were, we were running up to go up there and my phone started buzzing on the walk to the stage <laughs> after it had been announced. So I hadn't even got on the stage yet and it didn't stop for three hours until it just ran out of battery. Wow. I was occasionally answering some calls, but most times just in my pocket buzzing sort of nonstop and then the battery just died. <laughs> so yeah, it was, the voicemail it, filled it was up. an awfully cool moment. So I'm sure that I, uh, sure that I, I'm sure glad I just, no, that is amazing. That's amazing there. Yeah. But killer. Well, hey, we're coming up here on a, well over half an hour, and I appreciate your time with everything. Where can people find more, more about you and more about Ed Cunningham and some of the projects you're working on? <sighs> In the process of being your own boss and running your company. I, I have not built a website. It's one of those get it done things. Yeah. <laughs> just, I haven't got you know, too much going on, but I, I, I'm reaching, you know, people want to reach out. I am on LinkedIn, uh, pretty reachable there. 
That's a pretty good place. Um, and then, you know, my IMDB is pretty accurate with upcoming projects. I should check it out. We have a couple of really cool movies coming together um, that I'm very proud of and very happy to be a part of. So I'll, uh, I'll update IMDB and reach out on LinkedIn. That's the best place. Perfect. Perfect. And thank you for being part of this. This was amazing. I know we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but you know, we're, we're good at overcoming obstacles. So this was uh, some great insight and what you've, what you've <laughs> done and what you're doing is super cool. So again, thanks for being part of it. All right, Ken. Hey, and, and let me know when it's all done and uh, you drop it and send me a link. That'd be terrific. Perfect. And if anyone has any questions, comments, or okay. concerns, email me at kenintheexecutiveathletes.com. Make sure you're out there still crushing it and have a great week. Thanks, guys.